0: Good morning. Uh, so first of all, I'd thank you for praying for my wife. Uh, and she had her surgery and is uh, doing as well as you would expect at this point. Um, she said she has a bit of a headache. Uh, but when you have surgery on your brain, I guess that's a normal thing. But uh, she is doing well and uh she said she actually feels better or at least as well as she did before the surgery so i think that's a win uh we are continuing today uh really looking at the uh the greatest and the second greatest commandment uh in Matthew 22 and then the 10 commandments that follow from there uh really the the idea is that there are so many influences that would like to tell you what you should value, what you should live up to, what the expectation should be for your life. And it's easy to kind of get distracted by things that, that really aren't the most important, but we think that they are. So how do we know what really is the most important and what we ought to do? And uh, so, as I pointed out last week, that's where Jesus was questioned. He was, he was told, well, what's the greatest commandment? And so, in Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, I'm going to read this again, as we did last week. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? In the law. And the reason we're, we're talking about commandments is that these are things you had to do, right? Do this. This is the expectation that you have to live up to. And so this is how Jesus replied in verse 36 Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We went over that last week. Verse 39, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so the reason we're going then to the 10 commandments is is the idea that Jesus said, look, if if you understand these two greatest commandments, you live up to those. if If you value that, if you make these a priority, right? You kind of keep these things in your mind. If you do that, then you're going to be doing the Ten Commandments. In fact, he says all of the law and the prophets, hang on these. If you do these, look, you don't have to look at every little minutia of the law and the prophets. You are doing what it says. And so if the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord, the second is to love your neighbor. All right, here's the issue. Who's your neighbor? When we use the word neighbor, we're actually talking about the people who live next door to us, right? Our next door neighbor, or maybe some of you go, no, that's my uh, front door neighbor, right? They live across the street from you, my across the street neighbor, or the neighbor that lives behind me. I get to know them when their kids throw the ball over the the fence and, and I get to figure out which neighbor it is to throw it back. We meet each other at the mailbox, right? Those are my neighbors. They live in my neighborhood. But when uh, Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, if you were a first century Jewish person, the word neighbor didn't mean those things I just described. That wasn't important. It wasn't, they live close to me. In fact, when you look at the word neighbor in scripture, Jesus actually answers it with a parable, as he often did, right? And he actually tells the parable of the good Samaritan. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but I'll just kind of sum it up. Basically, there's uh, a man that had been beaten up and abused and robbed and left uh, for dead, and people walked by. And as they walked by, they saw him and they they thought, you know, maybe I should help out. Or instead they went, I think I'm going to cross to the other side of the street. And this happened three times. And it was the third one that as he came by, he looked and he had pity, compassion, love, right? And he stepped in to help out and he, he got the person that had been treated this way. He took him to an inn. He treated him. He said, here, I'm going to pay for his expenses. If anything else accrues, when I come back, I'll pay for that as well. Now, this is a parable, meaning we're supposed to learn a lesson here. Well, it's a lesson. Jesus answers it. In Luke ten thirty six. he says, which of these three, right? The, the two that walked by and said, I think I'm going to cross on the other side of the street. I think I'm not going to help. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, so he, now we didn't go through the whole thing, but the he are the experts of the law that challenged Jesus. And he answers the one who showed mercy. By the way, I kind of, Doing a little dramatic part on that, right? Because he didn't say the one who showed mercy. He said the Samaritan. He didn't want to even say it because the Samaritans were the people they didn't really like. They were a a mix of uh, genetic heritage of Jewish and other people. And so for a Jewish person, that wasn't a good thing. So they didn't like them. Yet the one who showed compassion and love and mercy was the Samaritan. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The neighbor wasn't the one who lived nearby. The neighbor was the one whom he showed compassion. Your neighbor isn't just the people that are like you, that look like you, that maybe act like you, that that live near you. In fact, the point of the parable is that there is no limit on those to whom you should be neighborly. So it's not just, well, I have some sort of connection, so I should be neighborly to them. There's no limit. Now, if you are a follower of Christ, this is really tough. Because there are going to be people... That, I don't know, the, the, the word is, they, they just kind of bug you. They rub you wrong. They, they get on your nerves. They challenge you. Your patience, perhaps. Whatever it is, these are the, these might very well be the people that I don't like them at all. But you are told by Jesus to love them as yourself. That's why it's hard. It's a challenge. So for the first century Jewish person to be told anything about your neighbor, that you're to love your neighbor, what that meant is everything in the law that I'm to do in regard to other people, I now have to do not just for the person who lives near me and the person who's like me, I now have to do it. Well, there's no limit to who I am accountable to keep the law. That's a challenge. So what is it? Well, let's go to the 10 commandments and see. So remember last week, if you were here, we looked at the first four. Those were the commandments in regard to keeping us holy in our relationship with God. So these are the last six, and these are in regard to our relationship with other people. Here's what it says, Deuteronomy five, and I'll start in verse 16. So with That fifth uh, commandment, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbors then you even see those words appear in there right the word neighbor you're accountable to anyone which also means though that if you were a first century jewish person if you could find people that weren't your neighbor you didn't have to keep these commandments in that relationship with them right So if the experts in the law came and said, see those people, they're not your neighbors. Any of these 10 commandments, you didn't have to keep in that relationship with that person. Well, that seems like a technicality, right? Jesus made it clear. I'm sorry. That's just not how it works. You're confused. You have a responsibility to keep the 10 commandments, the law, all of it. There is no limit then. To whom is your neighbor? So remember we want to think of the Ten Commandments not as a list of what to do or not to do as much as a description of what the holy people of God would do, how they live. Think about it this way. That maybe the, the most godly person you know Right? I don't know if that works for you, but but I, I kinda think of some people when I think of that. How do they interact with people? Right? How do they they uh engage others when things are challenging? Cause, Cause personally I always think this is not me. Right? Cause when things get hard, I kinda get mad, I get sad, I get cranky, uh, I don't always use the words correctly. But but there are people that that have been walking with the Lord a long time. And when things get hard, the way they react, I go, man, that's what I want to be like someday. Because they represent Christ in their relationships, even when things are hard. So so that then would be the goal. The 10 commandments then are a description, kind of the expectations that, that we wanna live up to, not a list of what to do, And what not to do. And so the problem we run into, by the way, I'm getting to the expectations in a minute, but the problem we run into when we think about the 10 commandments as what to do and what not to do is then we start to compare ourselves with other people, right? And not just that here I want to do better. It's we think of other people where we have already in our minds done better, because there is always someone down the street not doing as well as we think we are, right? So I can compare myself to my neighbor who yells at his kids. I can compare myself to the the guy down the street selling drugs. I can compare myself to lots of people that seem to be doing things that, well, at least I'm not doing that. Yet scripture is clear that, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so we're to live up to the expectation, not comparing ourselves to the guy down the street, comparing ourselves to the only standard that matters. That's perfection. And it's only Jesus that lived up to that. And so since we haven't done that, we can't compare ourselves to other people. So our goal is to, to grow in Christ's likeness. And that what we're saying when we say, well, let's look at the Ten Commandments and live up to those expectations. It's not that you can actually do it. It's that these are the things you will do when you're closer to the Lord. Does that make sense? All right, that's where we're going with this. And so Jesus addressed keeping the commandments in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Verse 21, you've heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not murder, right? Ten commandments, we just went through it. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to to the hell of fire. Uh, I've said worse than you fool to people. So I certainly uh, fit in here. You see, it's not the letter of the law. It's not just, I didn't murder anybody. I'm I'm good there. Uh, That's a technicality. What Jesus is saying, look, it's not just don't murder anybody. It's, it's understand in your heart you're, what is required of you. As you interact with other people, that you have murdered someone in your heart, even though you haven't physically done it. There's a saying that the ends justify the means, but biblically, that's just not how it works. Instead, it's the means justify the outcome. The way you go about doing something matters. That's what God cares about. God cares about the what and also the why of what you do, right? It's not just the thing you actually do. It's the why you do it, your intentions, what's in your heart. It matters why you're angry at your brother. If everyone who is angry at his brother is liable to, that's the the word in that passage, uh, is there a time when anger is justifiable? The The word libel that's, tra- that's translated libel here, the Greek word uh, also is translated as subject to or in danger of. So it means if you're angry, you are subject to or in danger of judgment. So it doesn't mean just being angry, in and of itself is wrong, right? Anger might be justifiable. How do we know if it's justifiable? Uh, so if Jesus is our standard, then that's the place we would go. So were there times when Jesus was angry? Well, yeah, right? If he was fully God and fully man, then and he experienced emotion In in the same way, as scripture says, uh, tempted in all the ways that you and I were yet was without sin, then so was he. And so, in fact, there are uh, plenty of places in the gospels where we see Jesus going through a spectrum of emotions, right? He even says, uh, Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, joy, that's good. Exhaustion. In Matthew 14, 13, Mark uh, 6, 31, Luke 5, 16, John 6, 15. He had to go away and get, take a break. Uh, we certainly know anger. He said, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell in Matthew 23, 33? Sorrow, compassion, frustration even dread father. If you're willing, let this cup pass from me in his humanity. He dreaded the cross yet in his love for us. He willingly went yet. Not my will, but yours be done. He said, so we get Jesus on this, this spectrum of emotions yet was without sin. So it's not the anger itself. And and so it's part of that. It's that motivation. Okay, so, so if it's not the letter of the law, but the intention, that's the way we need to think then when we get to the Ten Commandments. So what are these goals? What are these expectations in our life, in our relationship with other people? Well, as the redeemed people of God, what should we do? So there's six of them here, and they're the, the ones we just talked about, and I just wanted to go through those. Number one. Honor your parents. Okay, so how do you do that? How do you honor your parents? It said, honor your parents as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. To honor your parents. What does that look like? How can I do that best? The apostle Paul said, this was the first command with a promise. And there are always challenges in regard to uh, honoring our parents because we feel torn at times. I want to honor my parents and respect them, but also have a responsibility, right? When, when things come into conflict, how do I decide between things? It's probably the the biggest thing in church when people come and say, I'm having a challenge here. How do I honor my parents, but also this other commitment? Right? And that's valid. But I would say a biggest part of honoring your parents is to keep in mind what matters most. Right? So you have to prioritize. I have to always think my relationship with the Lord taking care of my wife and kids, my parents. And it does have to go in that in that order. So I have to honor my parents, but I also have to keep that in perspective of my other responsibilities. Number two, the redeemed people of God control ourselves. Right? We control ourselves. Well, it didn't say that in the 10 commandments. Where does that come from? All right, I put together... The fact that it said, do not murder. And then Jesus said, look, you've heard said don't murder, but I'm telling you if you are angry at your brother and you, you curse him, that you'll be guilty of murder. So so how do you do that? You control yourself. This is not just the aspect of physical violence, but also the the anger and intent in your heart as well. I, I will confess, this is something I struggle with. I struggle with anger. Uh, more so when I was younger than now, thankfully. But, and, and, and I'll tell you, the thing I learned about it is that a lot of it stemmed from pride. That it was, I deserve better than what's going on. And you know what? I don't. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Scripture is clear what I deserve is judgment. And because of God's grace, I can be free from judgment and free for eternal life. Yet, it's still something I struggled with, and, and even today. So, definitely pride, and, uh, and then the, the understanding that, that of justice. I know what's right, and I can't believe other people can't see it, and so it made me mad. Well, you know what? That's not valid either. Again, that goes back to pride. So we have a responsibility then to control ourselves. This was probably the hardest thing as a new believer to learn. Self-control with just emotional frustration. Number three, uh, I'm going to say it this way, maintain the integrity of marriage. Uh, What the, the commandment says is you shall not commit adultery. And so... Well how do you do that? Well the integrity of marriage matters and this is so hard in a culture that doesn't value marriage specifically monogamy of any kind. Uh it but it's not just a goal in scripture this this vague thing yet yet you kind of will hear that that it's impossible. It's impossible to wait until marriage. It's impossible to 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 uh stay monogamous in marriage. Yet, it's not just the goal, this this vague aspiration in Scripture. It's the expectation, and, and I know you guys are with me on this. But once you get married, it's like, well, now I can do it. But the expectation is before you're married too. That's the that's the the expectation in Scripture. Uh, number four here is that you would bear no false witness. And so I'm just going to say it this way, that you would always be honest. Always be honest. To bear false witness means to lie about someone. And so this definitely says something about being a witness. It's about gossip and slander that it's possible that uh, people would say things that aren't true about you. Our responsibility is always to be honest, but it's not just gossip, right? Gossip isn't just about what isn't true, but also sharing what isn't for you to share. <laughs> so uh, I've always tried to teach that people uh, that when you have to decide if something is gossip or not, you also have to say, does this really even need to be shared? Is it for me to say it, right? Does anyone need to say it? And certainly is it for me to say it? And not just, is it true? Social media is, is a place that runs rampant with things that aren't true, right? And it's hard. And so, kind of the thing now on social media is people sharing things that other people say. Realize right away that if you say this is what he said, every responsibility of that phrase isn't removed from you. It's now put squarely on you. Meaning, is it true? Right? Does it need to be shared? Is it for me to share? Is it my responsibility? Just because it's out there doesn't mean I need to jump on the bandwagon and share it too. Over the last five years, this has, has gotten worse. I, I've, I know in, in my church, I was on a bandwagon. Bandwagon? Is that the right phrase? Telling people, teaching this over and over again. Okay. Did you verify That that was true? No, I know where it came from. Did you verify that it was true? Let's do a little, let's do a Google search of that. And we found lots of things that were out there in the mainstream media that just weren't true. But it starts to look true because I got a source that I trust. Yet we have responsibility, not just because... It's dangerous to share things that aren't true, but we have responsibilities. We represent Christ to only speak truth. Right? If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, his people should be about truth. Not, ooh, I found something that I agree with. I'm going to share it. It may not be true. Number five, value others' property. Right? No stealing. Well, again, this, this is obvious and we know this. There's definitely a sense that, that stealing is wrong, that, that we're, we're all on board. And perhaps every kid went through a, fra- a phase where uh, they were little, hopefully, when <laughs> they were little and not past that. But they saw something shiny, something tasty, and they just took it. I remember getting caught climbing on the fridge for the cookies. Just took it. Why? Because I wanted it. Yeah, I remember getting in trouble for that. But it's not just theft in that way, right? It's not just the uh, the criminals that wander in the stores and take whatever they want off the shelf knowing that the clerk can't stop them anymore. They've been instructed not to. Theft, it's an issue in the little things as well as the big things, right? It's an issue when you're doing your taxes and you don't even have to go back very far to the first thing that you see when you put a DVD in the player and it starts up and it says that this is theft to record it and share it and all of those things. My son, when he was little, he goes, what does that say? And I said, it says, don't steal this movie. And so every time it would come on, he goes, Dad, that says don't steal the movie. And I said, I'm not going to steal it. Let's just watch. He doesn't say that anymore. We don't watch DVDs much anymore anyway. Number six, avoid coveting what doesn't belong to you. Coveting means desire, right? So, So the one before is don't actually go take it. And this one is Don't desire it, don't covet it to that point. And and it's interesting because the the things that are described in Deuteronomy that you're not to covet, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, uh, his ox, his donkey, or anything that's his neighbor, we probably would use Different things today, we might, maybe it is your your neighbor's wife, uh, but your neighbor's car, your neighbor's job, your neighbor's vacation that he just took, your neighbor's behavior of his kids. It's kind of amazing that the whole advertising industry is geared to get you to ignore commandment 10. That's the whole point. Here it is. Don't you want it? Wouldn't this be great? If you had this, wouldn't you be cooler than you are? And so we have a responsibility as the, the redeemed people of God, right? That's the point, is to be aware. You find yourself coveting its sin, right? It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the new car, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the new job, right? There, there might be some things that you need. The difference is coveting, and that desire, right? They have it and I don't. There's something wrong with that. So what does that look like? It then becomes what you're willing to do to get it, right? What's going to dwell in your heart to get that thing? Have some next steps for you today. Uh, First of all, my next step today is to reflect on my relationships with my neighbors. In the narrow sense of who is your neighbor in your neighborhood, those that live near you, those that work with you, go to school with you, but also in the broader sense, right? We have a responsibility to love our neighbor as ourself. So that means when you're out and there's someone that you don't even know, do you have a love for them? What does that mean, right? What is that love you should have? Now, remember last week we looked at the word love. It is the agape love. It is sacrificial and unconditional, that that you're supposed to have sacrificial and unconditional love of people that you don't even know. How is your relationship then with them? When you look at people that don't look like you, don't act like you, do you see them the way God sees them? See, God saw them and loved them, So much that he sent his son to die on the cross, right? Not just for all of us, but for each one of us. And then the the next one there, my next step today is to submit my intentions to the Lord and not just my actions. And this means the things that are in your mind, in your heart, your desire, the things that you want, those need to, to come under the Lordship of Christ. And this then can be a challenge. It's it's easier to change behavior than to change what you think and how you think go about uh, making decisions. And then I left a blank there, so if there's something else that as we've talked you want to add to that, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are. Uh, a loving God that didn't just give us a list of what to do and what not to do. Hear the expectations, live up to these. Uh, instead, that you loved us enough to send your son to die on the cross for us. That if we would believe, repent of our sins, that you promised to forgive us, you promise us. Eternal life. In fact, your word says that you will neither leave us nor forsake us. Father, I pray uh, that as we've been uh, talking about this, that there might very well be some things that as we reflect on it. I I know for me, I certainly did. I realize that that I do uh, struggle with with anger at times and and not (laughs) righteous and holy anger. Uh, selfish and prideful anger. So Father, if that's that's the case, that we reflect on that and we, we submit that to you, that you would help grow us in a way that, that we, can, we can deal with that. We want to represent you well. And then when we talk about the Ten Commandments, we're not just talking about uh, what to do and what not to do, but understanding this is a description of what we look like when we become more like Christ. Help us to be more like that. Father, we thank you uh, that you're at work. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.